Chapter Twenty Eight of Darnley by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Eight. My conscience will serve me to run from this Jew. Merchant of Venice. We will now return to Lady Constance de Grey, whose fate must no longer be left in uncertainty, and taking up the thread of our narrative at the moment Sir Osborne quitted her on the eventful evening which destroyed all his fond expectations we will in our homely way record the events that followed it may be remembered that at the very instant the knight parted from good dr wilbraham at the door of the young lady's apartment in the palace at richmond a letter was put into the clergyman's hands to be delivered to the heiress of de grey for such was the style of the address no time was lost by dr wilbraham in giving the letter into his lady's hands and on being opened it proved to be one of those anonymous epistles which are seldom even worth the trouble of deciphering being prompted always by some motive which dares not avow itself however as lady constance was very little in the habit of receiving letters from any one and certainly none to which the writer dare not put his name mere curiosity if nothing else would have prompted her to read it through the more especially as it was written in a fine and clerkly hand and in a style and manner to be acquired alone by high and courtly education although the letter is still extant we shall not copy it having already given one specimen of the compositions of that day and not at all wishing to depreciate the times of our hero and heroine in the estimation of our more cultivated readers let it be considered as sufficient then that we merely say the letter professed to be a warning from a friend and informed the young lady that the most rigorous measures were about to be adopted towards her in case of her still refusing to comply with wolsey's command in respect to her marriage with lord darby the writer then hinted that perpetual seclusion in a convent together with the forfeiture of all her estates would be the consequence if she could not contrive to fly immediately but that if she could her person at least would be at liberty and that a friend would watch over her property and as a conclusion he advised her to leave richmond by water as the means which would leave the least trace of her course so singularly did this letter anticipate not only her own fears but also her own plans that it instantly acquired in the eyes of lady constance an authenticity which it did not otherwise possess and placing it in the hands of dr wilbraham she asked his opinion upon its contents pshaw cried the clergyman when he had read it pshaw lady it is all nonsense the very reverend lord cardinal will never try to make you marry against your will do not frighten yourself about it my dear lady depend on it tis all nonsense let me see it again but after he had read it over once more dr wilbraham's opinion seemed in some degree to change he considered the letter and reconsidered it with very thoughtful eyes and then declared it was strange that any one should write it unless it were true and yet he would not believe that either pray lady have you any idea who wrote it demanded he i can imagine but one person said lady constance who could possess the knowledge and would take the pains margaret leave us she continued turning to the waiting-woman 
"'I have heard, my dear Dr. Wilbraham,' she proceeded as soon as they were alone, "'that you were in former times acquainted with an old knight called Sir Caesar. "'I met him yesterday when I was out in the park.' "'Lady Constance paused, and a slight blush came into her cheek, "'as she remembered that the good clergyman knew nothing of the affection which subsisted "'between herself and Darnley, and feeling a strong repugnance to say that he was with her at the moment, she hesitated, not knowing how to proceed. Dr. Wilbraham relieved her, however, by exclaiming, the instant she stopped, "'Oh, yes, lady, in truth I know him well. He was the dearest and the best friend of my Lord Fitzbernard, and though unhappily given to strange and damnable pursuits, God forgive him, I must say he was a friend to all the human race, and a man to be trusted and esteemed.' "'But think you this letter came from him?' "'He is the only one,' replied Constance, "'on whom my mind could for a moment fix as having written it.' "'It is very likely,' answered the clergyman. "'It is very likely, and if it comes from him "'you may believe every word that it contains. "'His knowledge, lady, is strange, is very strange, "'and is more than good, but it is sure.' He is one of those restless spirits that must ever be busy, and human knowledge not being sufficient for his eager mind, he has sought more than he should seek, and found more than is for the peace of his soul. "'But if he make good use of his knowledge,' said Constance, "'surely it cannot be very wicked, my dear sir?' "'It is presumptuous, lady,' replied the clergyman. "'It is most presumptuous to seek what God has concealed from our poor nature.' "'But if this letter be from him,' said the lady, "'and the bad tidings that it brings be true, "'what ought I to do? "'You, whom my dear father left with me, "'asking you never to quit me, "'you must be my adviser, "'and tell me what to do in this emergency, "'for sure I am that you will never advise me "'to marry a man whom I do not love, "'and who does not even love me. "'No, no, heaven forbid, "'especially when you would rather marry Osborne.' said the good clergyman with the utmost simplicity looking upon it quite as a matter of course which required no particular delicacy of handling and a much better thing too lady in every respect he continued seeing that he had called up a blush in constance's cheek and fancying that it arose from a fear of his disapproving her choice if you will tell the lord cardinal all the circumstances depend upon it he will not press you to do anything you dislike let him have the whole history my dear lady tell him that you do not love lord darby and that he loves another and then show him how dearly darnley loves you and how you love him in return and then oh hush hush my dear dr wilbraham said the lady with the blood glowing through her fair clear skin over neck and face and forehead impossible indeed quite impossible you forget "'Oh, yes, yes, I did forget,' replied the chaplain. "'Osborne does not wish his name to be known. "'I did forget. Very true. "'That is unfortunate. "'But cannot you just insinuate that you do love someone else? "'But do not like to mention his name?' "'Lady Constance now endeavoured to make the simple clergyman understand "'that under any circumstances she would be obliged to limit her reply to the cardinal.' to a plain refusal to wed Lord Derby, and though he could not enter into any feelings of reluctance on her part to avow her regard for Darnley, 
yet he fully comprehended that she was bound to hold undivulged the confidence of others however he did not cease to lament that this was the case fully convinced in his own mind that if she had been able to inform wolsey of everything the prelate whom he judged after his own heart would have unhesitatingly accorded his sanction to all her wishes whereas at present her refusal might be attributed to obstinacy being unsupported by any reasons and thus indeed he observed sir caesar's prediction might be fulfilled and she obliged to fly to screen herself from the consequences dr wilbraham having admitted that there might be a necessity for flight the mind of constance was infinitely quieted that being a point on which she had long long wished to ascertain his opinion yet had timidly held back believing him to be unacquainted with the most powerful motive that actuated her nothing now remained but to learn whether he would also so far sanction her proceedings as to accompany her and she was considering the best means of proposing it to him when she received a message to inform her that the cardinal waited her in the little tapestried hall the moment which was to decide her fate she plainly perceived to be now arrived but with all the gentle sweetness of her character a fund of dauntless resolution had descended to her from a long line of warlike ancestors which failed not to come to her aid in moments of danger and extremity and though she had long dreaded the interview to which she was now called she prepared to undergo it with courage and firmness in obedience to the cardinal's command then she descended to the hall accompanied by two of her women who though neither likely to suffer anything themselves nor informed of their mistress's situation yet felt much more alarm at the thoughts of approaching the imperious wolsey than even she herself did burthened as her mind was with the certainty of offending a man the limit of whose power it was not easy to define at the door of the hall stood two of the cardinal's ushers by whom she was introduced into the chamber to which wolsey had retired after leaving the king and where seated in a chair of state he waited her approach with many an ensign of his pomp and power about as she entered he fixed his eye upon her scarcely rising from his seat but still slightly bending his head in token of salutation the high blood of de grey however though flowing in a woman's veins and one of the gentlest of her sex was not made to humble itself before the upstart prelate and moving forward unbidden lady constance calmly seated herself in a chair opposite to that of the cardinal while her women placed themselves behind her and thus in silence she waited for him to speak lady said wolsey when she was seated at the time i saw you last i proposed to you a marriage which in point of rank of fortune and of every other accessory circumstance is one which may well be counted amongst the best of the land and for which i expected to have your thanks instead thereof however i received at the moment of my departure for york a letter wherein with a mild obstinacy and an humble pride you did reject what was worthy of your best gratitude a month has now waned since then and i trust that calm reflection has restored you to your sense of what is right which being the case all that is past shall be pardoned and forgot your proposal my lord cardinal replied lady constance was doubtless intended for my happiness and therein you have my most sincere gratitude 
but yet i see not how i can have merited either reproof or pardon in a matter which alone concerning myself no one can judge of but myself you speak amiss lady said wolsey haughtily ay and very boldly do you speak am i not your guardian by the english law and are you not my ward say lady say i am your ward my lord replied lady constance her spirit rising under his oppression but not your slave you are my guardian but not my master you are nice in your refinements lady said the cardinal but if i am your guardian i am to judge what is good for you till such time as the law permits you to judge for yourself that time is within one month my lord answered constance and even were it longer i never yet did hear that a guardian could force a ward to wed against her will though i at once acknowledge his right to forbid her marriage where he may judge against it nay exclaimed wolsey this is somewhat too much this bold spirit lady becomes you not and must be abated learn that though i in gentleness rule you but as a ward and for your own good control your stubborn will the king your sovereign may act with a stronger hand and heedless of your idle fancies compel you to obey then to the king my sovereign i appeal said constance sure that his justice and his clemency will yield me that protection which god help me i much need your appeal is in vain proud girl cried the cardinal rising angrily while the fiery spirit flashed forth from his dark eye i stand here armed in this case with the king's power and commissioned to speak his will and tis in his name that i command you on thursday next at god's altar to give your hand to your noble cousin lord darby ay and gratefully to give it without which you may fall to beggary and want for know that all those broad lands which now so swell your pride are claimed by sir payam walton in right of male descent and may pass away like a shadow from your feeble hand leaving you naught but your vanity for dowry then let them pass said constance firmly for i would sooner a thousand times be landless friendless hopeless than wed a man i do not love and end your days in a nunnery you should have added to the catalogue of woes you call upon your head said the cardinal sternly for as i live such shall be your fate choose either to give your vows to your cousin or to heaven lady for no other choice shall be left you till thursday next i give you to decide and while you ponder york place shall be your abode lady no more he added seeing her about to speak i have not time to argue against your fine wit to-night if i reach westminster in time i will send down your litter if not to-morrow by eight of the clock and be you prepared i have done constance would not trust her voice with any reply for the very efforts she had made to conceal her agitation had but served to render it more overpowering and it was now ready to burst forth in tears repressing them however she rose and bending her head to the cardinal returned to her own apartments here dr wilbraham awaited her in no small anxiety to know the event of her conference with wolsey which as it had been so short he judged must be favourable lady constance soon undeceived him however and shocked and indignant at the cardinal's haughty and tyrannical conduct he at once agreed with the lady that she had no resource but flight 
"'It is very strange, very strange indeed,' cried the good man. "'I have often heard that the Lord Cardinal is haughty and cruel, "'and indeed men lay to his charge that he never does anything but for his own interests, "'but I would never believe it before.' I thought that God would never have placed so much power in the hands of so bad a man. But his ways are inscrutable, and his name be praised. Now, my dear lady, what is to be done? Where are we to go? Had not I better go and tell Osborne, in order that he may know all about it? On no account, replied Constance, however painful it may be, my good friend, and painful indeed it is, I acknowledge and while she spoke the long repressed tears burst forth and rolled rapidly over her face i must go without even bidding him adieu i would not for the world involve him at this time in a business which might bring about his ruin he shall be innocent even of the knowledge of my flight so that wolsey shall have no plea against him when his fate is fixed and the storm is blown away i will let him know where i am for i owe him that at least even for you my good dr wilbraham i fear she continued if you fly with me may it not bring down upon your head some ecclesiastical censure if so for heaven's sake let me go with margaret alone why it may indeed answered the chaplain thoughtfully i have forgot that it may indeed what can be done then you shall stay replied lady constance with some degree of mournfulness of accent at the thought of the friendless loneliness with which she was going to cast herself upon the wide inhospitable world then you shall stay indeed what and leave you to wander about alone i know not whither cried the young clergyman no my child no did all the dangers in the world hang over my head where you go there will i go too if i cannot protect you much which god help me is not in my power at least i can console you under your sorrows and support you during your pilgrimage by pointing continually to that being who is the protector of the widow and the orphan the friend of the friendless and the desolate lady i will go with you all the dangers in the world shall not scare me from your side a new energy seemed to have sprung up in the bosom of the clergyman and by his advice and assistance lady constance's plans and arrangements for her flight were very soon completed it was agreed that herself dr wilbraham and mistress margaret the waiting-woman should immediately take boat and proceed by water to the little village of tothill from whence a walk of five minutes would bring them to the house of the physician dr butts who as the old chaplain observed was though his nephew a man of an active and piercing mind and would probably find some means to facilitate their escape to france by landing some little way from his house they hoped to prevent their route from being traced afterwards and thus to evade pursuit as to be overtaken and brought back would involve far more danger than even to remain where they were and dare the worst all this being determined between lady constance and the clergyman mistress margaret was called in and informed of as much of the plan as was necessary to enable her to make up her mind whether she would accompany her young lady or not without a moment's hesitation she decided upon going and having received her orders proceeded to arrange for their journey such articles of apparel as were absolutely necessary together with all her lady's money and jewels 
she also was deputed to inform the other servants that lady constance thought it best to follow the lord cardinal to york place immediately instead of waiting for the litter which he had promised to send and that she only permitted herself and dr wilbraham to accompany her everything being ready a man was sought to carry the two large bags to which their luggage was restricted and constance prepared to put in execution the very important step on which she had determined her heart sank it is true and her spirit almost failed as dr wilbraham took her by the hand to lead her to the boat but remembering to what she would expose herself if she stayed she recalled her courage and proceeded on her way in the antechamber however she had a painful scene to go through for her women not deceived by mistress margaret's tale clung round their lady for what they deemed might be a last farewell all of them born upon her father's lands had grown up as it were with her and for some good quality called from amongst the other peasantry to the honour of serving the heiress of de grey had become attached to her by early habit as well as by the affection which her gentle manners and sweet disposition were certain to produce in all those by whom she was surrounded many a bitter tear was shed by the poor girls as they saw their lady about to leave them and constance herself unable to refrain from weeping thereby not only encouraged their grief but confirmed their fears angry with herself for giving way to her feelings when she felt the absolute necessity of governing them strictly constance gently disengaged herself from her maids and promising to let them hear of her soon proceeded to the water-side where they easily procured a boat to convey them down the river the irrevocable step was now taken and constance and the chaplain both sat in silence contemplating the vague future and striving amidst all the dim uncertain shapes that it presented to ascertain even as far as probability went what might be their fate but the dark impenetrable curtain drawn ever between to-day and to-morrow still barred their view leaving only room for hope and fear to range within the wide circle of unceasing doubt long before arriving at tot hill the sun had gone down and the cold wind blowing from the river chilled lady constance as she sat in the open boat without any other covering than a long veil added to her ordinary apparel notwithstanding this she judged it best to bid the two rowers continue their course as far as westminster fearing that the little knowledge of the localities possessed either by dr wilbraham or herself might cause them to lose their way if they pursued their original intention of landing at tot hill and hoping that the darkness which was now coming thick upon them would at least conceal their path from the boat to the house of dr butts to ensure this as soon as they landed mistress margaret took one of the bags and the good clergyman the other and having satisfied the boatmen for their labour the whole party began to thread the narrow tortuous lanes and streets constituting the good town of westminster after various turnings and windings however they discovered that they were not on the right track and were obliged to ask their way of an old locksmith who was just shutting up his shop the direction they received from the worthy artificer was somewhat confused and contained so many rights and lefts that by the time they had taken two more turnings each person of the three had got a different reading of the matter and could in no way agree as to their farther proceeding 
he said we were to go on in this street till we came to a lantern i am sure said dr wilbraham no no sir cried mistress margaret it was the next street after we had turned to the left did he not say take the first street to the right and then the first again to the right and then the second to the left and then go on till we came to a lantern dr wilbraham denied the position and the matter was only terminated by constance proposing that they should proceed to the second turning at least then if we see a light in the street to the left she continued we may reasonably suppose that that is the turning he meant unless before that we find a lantern here too and then we can but ask again but make haste my dear dr wilbraham for there is a man behind who seems as if he were watching us this last observation quickened all their motions and proceeding as far as possible they found that mistress margaret was in the right for immediately in the centre of the second turning to the left appeared a lantern shedding its dim small light down the long perspective of the street which be it remarked was highly favourable in having such an appendage few and scanty being the lights that in that age illuminated the streets of london after dark and those as in the present instance being the boon of private individuals pursuing their way then towards this brilliant luminary with many a look behind to ascertain whether they were followed which did not appear to be the case they found another street diverging to the right which shared in the beneficent rays of the lantern and which also conducted into a known latitude namely a sort of little square that was instantly recognised by the chaplain as being in the immediate proximity of his nephew's dwelling the house of dr busts now soon presented itself and entering the little court before it the clergyman was just about to knock against the door which fronted them when some one entering the court from the street laid hold of his arm saying stop stop if you please you must come with me to my lord cardinal End of chapter twenty eight